Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7 verses 8 through 13 called The Staff and the Serpent. To the throne, the Pharaoh would go, calling out to the snake god. This is reminiscent of some stories we've heard where people in showbiz and rock and roll sell their soul to the devil. For what? For temporary power and fame. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care what power I have to call upon. I don't care if it's dark or light. I don't care who it is. And some people who get involved in the new age, and you guys need to hear what I'm about to say because now there are things amalgamating with Christian belief and there are ideas from the East that are being embraced by Christians and I'm not sure we know what we're dealing with and I'm telling you, that people have read some of these books, they've called out, they've done some of these mantras and found themselves in a tough spot. I've dealt with some of it personally, and I can tell you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And who knows whether the Pharaoh himself was possessed by Satan. Maybe that's what's really going on here. Maybe when Aaron and uh, Moses show up, that's the power that ultimately dominates this man. Because he's opened himself up to it. Because he's called upon these spirits to give him power to rule. And of all things, a snake. All we have to do is go back to Genesis chapter 3. Amen. The fall chapter. And there's Eve. Hanging by the tree that said wet paint. What was she doing there? We don't know. Making sure it was really wet. Where was Adam? We don't know. Probably watching the World Series, something. And the serpent showed up, and he was more crafty than all the beasts of the field. And what did he say? Did God really say? Some people say, a serpent Speaking, come on. Oh, it's what the Bible says. But it says that the, the animal itself was simply a tool for the ultimate serpent. Later, the book of Revelation will call him the serpent of old who leads people astray, who is on the hunt always, who loves to operate in these dark places, but also loves to masquerade as an angel of light. You can be religious and still follow me. He even said to Jesus, hey, just bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to defeat me. You don't have to, right? This is what he does. He's a liar and the father of lies. It's hard to imagine that an a individual would start crying out to snake gods. Oh, but it happens. Because people are enamored with this stuff. And they think, well, if I can call out and get some power, if it gives me power over my enemies. And when God curses the serpent, he says, basically, you're going to go to the dust and on your belly, that's how you're going to move around. Cursed are you more than cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, Genesis 3.14, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. 
And between your offspring and hers, who's the woman, brethren? Israel. Who does Moses and Aaron represent? Israel. Who is in Egyptian bondage under the snake? Israel. And Moses is saying, this ain't going to happen no more. And down goes the staff and it turns into a serpent. And I think the Pharaoh's got the message now. We got a contest on. Because there's power here too. Some power that maybe he experienced. Maybe he talks about or doesn't talk about. I don't know. And it goes on to say of this serpent. Between your offspring and hers. The ultimate offspring. The ultimate seed is the Messiah. Coming from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And down through the line. He will crush your head, the serpent, and you will strike him on his heel, Genesis 3.15. Isn't it interesting that this captures this long battle going all the way to something that's called the proto-evangel, the first uh, articulation of the hope of a coming Messiah, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, right in the fall chapter, right with the serpent there, and the ultimate serpent, God says, a Messiah's coming He's going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel. You're going to strike at him. He is going to die for the sin of the world, but ultimately he will crush your head. Quite a picture, isn't it? To see these things coming together and to see the battle right before us. And so the Pharaoh called for backup. (laughs) The Pharaoh also called 11 for the wise men and the sorcerers and the, they also, the magicians of Egypt, what did they do? They did the same, that's a key phrase, the same with their secret arts. All of a sudden, Pharaoh says, I need backup. <laughs> Come on in. And magicians in Egypt were, uh, if you perfected your craft, you were someone that they looked to, you were kind of like famous. And wouldn't you imagine that the best of the best were in Pharaoh's court? Don't you think Pharaoh hired the magicians who had the most, you know, credentials, the most credibility, if you will, in quotes, in Egypt? That's who he would get to come, to stand by his side. And some people say, how did they do it? Did they do it by sleight of hand? Magic? Uh, were they just clever? Did they use something called prestidigitation? Everybody say that five times fast. Prestidigitation, no, don't do it. And that's just sleight of hand. Were they just good? And they say that there's a way, and there's a, a record of a tourist in Egypt that said there was a way that they could grab a cobra and they would paralyze the snake with a certain pinch. How many of you remember when Spock could do that, the people? Back at Star Trek. <laughs> well, they could pinch the cobra and it would just become basically paralyzed And they could hold it in that position. And from a distance, it would look like a staff. And then when they wanted to impress you, they would release the pinch and throw the the, uh, what appeared to be a staff down and would turn into a serpent. Simply just sleight of hand. And there's some evidence from the, the language of secret arts and even the history of Egypt that perhaps this was the case. And let me just say to you, when you're dealing with dark things, Walter Martin once said of the occult and so-called, you know, uh, encounters that you might have with dark things. He said two-thirds of it is probably fake. But he said in his experience, one-third of it is real. 
And I would tell you that that's probably the case. There's a lot of sham stuff out there and people go to palm readers and, you know, they break into their trances and they look at the lines on your hand and, oh, you're going to meet somebody. Will they be tall? Will they be handsome? Will they have money? Oh, but I've got some bad news. There's some weird squiggly lines on your hand. (laughs) You're only going to live another month. So you better, you better find them real quick. And then in the background, you hear, do, 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 do. sorry, anyway. And it may well be that even though these words, wise men speak of, it's chakam, or kakam, it's skilled diviners, sorcerers is a word that means to try to divine things about the past, present, or future. Magicians is kartam, and it does have this idea of the secret arts. Did they really do it? And if they really did it, if they really took staffs and they also turned them into serpents, how did they do it? And by what power did they do it? And I don't think it's hard for any of us to figure out that if it's legit, and I, I, I don't know if, if ultimately it's the, mo- the biggest thing in this message, but if they legitimately did it by dark power, then it was the power of Satan. It was the occult. It was witchcraft. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2.9 that the Antichrist is the one coming in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs, pretended signs and false wonders or counterfeit wonders. Did you notice that there's nothing new with the enemy? He just tries to mimic what God does. Nothing new here. Oh, we, we can do it too. Throw your staff down. And later they're going to mimic some other things that it's going to make their life even worse. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, we can do it too. We can make more of this to bother us. <laughs> Isn't it glorious? <laughs> Actually, the later they, when God does another miracle in 819, they say this is the finger of God. They can only duplicate like the first couple of signs. Jesus says, for false Christs and false prophets, Matthew 24, 24 will arise. And he's talking about the last days and show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I've told you in advance. Even to the degree that it would appear they could call down fire from heaven. That, that's amazing. That's powerful. And people are enamored with power, but not all power is God's power. Not all power is light. And so they are able to duplicate the sign, which, you know, if you're Moses and Aaron, you, you have to be thinking, you know, you threw the staff down, you obey God, there it is, right? And then all of a sudden they come in and do the same. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe the snakes start squaring off. Now we... We see from the movie that I think there was maybe two or three of the serpents from the magicians, but I don't know how many there were, actually. I don't see that the record says how many there were. Was it one on two? Was it one on five? Was there a whole host of them who threw their staff down and it's a whole room full of snakes? And here's, you know, Moses and Aaron's snake. And maybe you think, "Uh uh-oh, here we go, squaring off. And each one threw down his staff and they turned into serpents. But can you imagine the magicians? <laughs> we turned our stay, we did the same thing. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. What? 
And all God's people say, gold? (laughs) You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We are in the holiday season. Families and friends will soon be preparing for a Thanksgiving feast with football playing in the background. Friends will gather around the table for delicious turkey, complete with stuffing, cranberry sauce, creamed corn, and mashed potatoes. Don't forget about the sweet pumpkin pie. You express your thankfulness for your family, friends, church, your hobby, work, and everything the Lord provides. And after all the conversation and fun games, a food coma will follow. Thanksgiving is truly a wonderful day. We appreciate you spreading the word about our program and praying for our ministry. We are forever thankful to our Walk-In Truth Financial Partners, too. The Lord is using you to help keep this broadcast and podcast reaching people daily on this radio station and around the world. Pastor Michael Lance and the team here at Walk-In Truth are sincerely grateful you are listening to this broadcast. And we hope you have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Can you imagine the magicians? <laughs> we turned out, stay, we did the same thing. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> and all God's people said, gold? <laughs> And all of a sudden, the staff, and it's described, interestingly enough, as the staff, Aaron's staff, swallowed up their staffs. And the staff is a picture of what? Power. Who's going to rule? Aaron's staff. I don't know how long it took, but it must have been pretty fun for Aaron and Moses. (laughs) And the Pharaoh had to be thinking, "Uh uh-oh. And what's the message? I'm about to swallow you up, Pharaoh. I'm about to swallow your army in the Red Sea. I'm about to deal the death blow. The last plague will be the death of even your firstborn. See, I am God. And if you don't submit, you're going to be swallowed up. The God of Israel is the Lord of Egypt, the God of the heavens and the earth. Don't you be afraid, brothers and sisters, of the lies and the things where people say, oh, you know, God's not in control. God doesn't rule. Yes, he does. And they didn't have the swallowing up trick in their bag of tricks because their serpents were gone. (laughs) Can you imagine being one of those magicians? Could I I get my stick back? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) It's mine now. (laughs) What are the things that have a grip on your life that need to be swallowed up? What are the fears that need to be swallowed up? Hebrews 2.9 says these words. It says, We see Jesus, who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, because of the suffering of death, Hebrews 2.9, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Since the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, we're human. He himself likewise partook of the same. He became human, Hebrews 2, 9 and 14 and 15. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. 
This last year has been a scary time, hasn't it? We have encountered things that we probably never could have imagined in our lifetime. And it seems like just a little bit of normalcy is beginning to return, but there's still a lot of fear out there. But for the Christian, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Because I know in whom I have believed. And so you would think at this point, if you were the Pharaoh sitting on the throne, you watched all these serpents get swallowed by Moses and Aaron's Wouldn't it be time to bow? Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, final verse, and he did not listen. Whenever your heart is hard, that's the natural uh, outgrowth. You don't listen. He did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Let me just read from one commentary because I think this will give you a, a good picture of the problem of a calloused heart. Pharaoh, if Pharaoh had realized how hard his heart was, he would have been terrified. The Egyptians believed that the heart was the essence of the person and thus the key to eternal life. Many of their temples and tombs depict a heart being weighed on the scale of of justice. The meaning of the images is is explained in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, found, found at the Palace of Anubis, in which a man named Ani enters the throne room of the gods of judgment. At the front stands the balance of truth on which the, the death god Anubis will weigh the man's heart. Anubis is joined by Thoth, who will record the verdict, and by the goddess Amamit, who waits to devour the heart of the damned. Essentially, a monster waits to consume all heavy hearts. In order, in Egyptian belief, in order for you to make it to eternal life, your heart had to be as light as a feather. If it was too heavy and the, the scales tipped, your heart was too heavy and it went there was a monster waiting to go to your heart. Wonderful. Let's go to church on Sunday. Hopefully I can be as light as a feather, as light as a feather. Please let me be as light as a feather. Please, please, please. Let me just, uh, a gentle breeze would just blow me around. I don't want to be heavy because if I'm heavy and it tips, there's the monster. That's what they believed. A works-based righteousness like all other religions of the world. You got to be good enough. You got to be smart enough. You you better not have too much stuff when those scales get weighed. Because if they get weighed, you done. How many of you think you're going to make it? How many of you are as light as a feather right now? You're just going to walk out of here. You're not even going to touch the ground. Oh, I don't have any problems. I've got no sin. I've got no problems. I've got no problem with him or her, the 91 freeway. No problem with my thought life. No problem with any of that. I'm never tempted. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm just. I'm right. Oh, goodness. We in trouble. If Egyptian beliefs of this time are true, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. And some monster's just waiting. To eat you up. Scary. But that's not the Bible's message. The Bible's message is that another one took our place. Another one who is perfect took on the serpent and the snake and made a spectacle of principalities and powers triumphing over them through the cross. It is finished. Paid in full. You don't have to be afraid. 
You have his righteousness credited to your account by faith. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We should proclaim it from the housetops. Pharaoh got a little picture of it. He got a picture of the power, if you will, of God. What if he weighed you in the balances today and you didn't have the covering of Christ? What would happen? I would not be as light as a feather, I can tell you that. This old heart, it means transforming and softening. And God ain't done. (laughs) Amen? How many of you have had some weeks, maybe even recently, where you're like, this old heart? I'm a Christian, but sometimes, woo-wee, light as a feather would not describe my heart. (laughs) But God is good. And he did for me what I can't do for myself. And he swallows up the fear of death, the enemy's poise. My sin has been dealt with. And so the writer of Hebrews says, don't harden your heart. Today, if you would hear his voice, Bible students, you can write down Hebrews 3, 7, Hebrews 3, 8, Hebrews 3, 15, and Hebrews 4, 7. Three times the writer, would you just bow your heart with me, says, if you would hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You've been listening to The Staff and the Serpent, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month or give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, the bottom line on the staff and the serpent is this. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The power of the living God resides in you, my brother, my sister, if you're a born-again Christian. Now, if you're not, that power does not reside in you. You must be born again from above. And right now, the, the Bible teaches, and though this may sound strange or foreign to you, that you are presently marching to the drum of the God of this world with a small g. Now, you may not know that, or that may not be your uh, stated intention, but there's a way of the world that kind of follows that beat. But there's another way. There's a different way. There's a better way. There's a God way. I encountered that way in the late 80s when I had been living for myself, living for the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, the pride of life. And I heard the voice of the Lord through the preaching of the gospel. And he so graciously saved me and delivered me from the power, the penalty of my sin, and he's delivering me from the power of my sin. He's true, real, loving, just, extremely patient. And he delights to save. So why don't you give your life to him right now? If you've never made this a commitment, this is what you do. You say, Lord God, 
God of the universe, God who made me and everything that I see. Lord, I believe that you sent Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, on a rescue mission, just like the book of Exodus when you sent Moses. You came to break my chains, to set me free from my taskmasters. I want to be free. I trust Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. Pray it if it's you. I believe he rose from the dead. And I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to be afraid of the power of the serpent or the power of the enemy because his chains have been broken in my life. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you need to rededicate your life right now to the Lord. Maybe you've been walking away or reopening the door to some dark things and and you know you're not where you belong. You know, it, it can be pretty easy to fall if you start to turn away from the things of God. But now's the time to turn back. Hey, we've been telling you we have a number that you can call Tuesday through Friday during normal business hours. It's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH. Many of our listening family have taken advantage of that uh, phone number, 844-48-TRUTH, to talk to a pastor, to get prayer, uh, to maybe even share some encouragement with us. Hey, if you'd like to partner with us, you can always go to the website. It's walkintruth.com and find out how you can become a monthly partner. Walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. We'll be looking at first blood tomorrow as we look at that first plague that befalls Egypt under God's mighty hand right here tomorrow. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing and Lord willing, we'll see you right here. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24 called first blood. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walking Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.